Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Two Beers, Please. I'm Matthew Phillips. He's Yannick and Karnasau. I just made sure with Yannick that I wasn't going to mess that up. I was like, I, I know how to say it, but just in case, I'm going to make sure with him. The last, the last thing, the most, I mean, we get a lot of crazy names in the sports world. I feel like it's okay to butcher some of them. I feel like if I butchered my co-host and friend's last name, that would be not a great look. Uh, but y'all, we've fair. done it. You know, it's a whole damn year of two beers, please. One trip around the sun. It's it's pretty wild. It it is pretty wild. I mean, yeah, we we started this podcast uh, with where what we're covering today, and back then it was the only thing going on. I remember just being like, truly, this sport is canceled, and this sport is canceled, and this sport is canceled. Also, this sport is canceled. But the draft is happening, so and draft. We're like, and sports might be coming back. We're like Bundesliga might be back in like three weeks, and yeah, the 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 sports world was was at a bit of a standstill. But we had the draft; it's coming back, and we've got basically everything full on now. So it's been it's been kind of a a weird a weird year of sports and a fun year to tackle it. Um, of course, always going to ask you guys to follow us on Facebook, the Two Beers Please page, the Twitter, the uh, number two BP underscore podcast, our wonderful Instagram page, Two Beers Please underscore podcast, and then make sure you sub- review and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere else where there's a podcast. You know, just give us give us a blast. We've been doing this for a year. Give us give us some goddamn credit. But uh, I, we got I need the, my respect. Yeah. Put some respect on my name. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get no respect. That was not that was not a very good Rodney Dangerfield. I no will respect uh, it all. I'll work on that. I'll work on that one. Uh, we got a great show for you guys. Gonna recap perhaps the quickest main card in UFC history, at least the quickest one I've ever watched. It was like eleven thirty here in Des Moines when it got over, and I was like, wait, how? But um, we'll we'll discuss all those fights. We'll discuss how it was so quick uh, quickly done with three championship fights to talk about. Uh, We'll talk a little bit of Oscars. We've got several coaches to talk about, some going to new jobs, some in their first year at the job. And of course, already mentioned it, our one-year episode. That means we are back to the NFL draft. We won't be picking all 32 picks. That was a little tedious, both for us and I'm sure anyone that was listening. But, you know, like you said, we didn't have any sports to talk about. So we almost had, we were like, if we're going to do an episode, we almost have to, to make every pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, our first episode, guys, was two hours, which is like normal for us. We split it up now, but that's a normal episode thing. But it was two hours of just draft picks. <laughs> we literally were like, let's get right into it. And uh, pick number 17, Clavon Chason. What to say about this pick? Oh, yes. Um, he's good. Next. <laughs> We really gave we gave like almost every pick it's it's due service. It, we like we didn't really glide over too many of them, which was uh, impressive. But like I said, tedious. But we've gotten a little bit better at this show. Hopefully, in the last year, uh, we will be giving our picks for the top ten. And Yannick's going to say who he thinks the Pats are going to go with in the first round. I'll go give my Packers pick. I'm not picking uh, a position like a um, skill player because that I feel like that's just going to jinx us. That's I'm not going to do that. Maybe I'll, I'm going to pick like I should just pick like a punter and then they'll excite me and pick someone else. But I will make some other 
predictions regarding the draft. Jan, of course, we always start with how how are you feeling today, my man? I'm okay, man. I, I got some allergy situation going on over here. So <clears throat> it's definitely like getting to me a little bit, the change of season allergy kick. Um, but you know, otherwise doing fine, doing fine, doing well. I'm excited for the draft. I just had some free time open up. So Thursday night, I'm just watching the draft, baby. I'm just watching the draft. I wonder if this year's draft is going to be, remember last year's draft, like every single pick, I felt like they also were like, and here's a heartbreaking story to go along with. Oh yeah. And I was like, can we not do that for every single pick? Like it was just depressing. Yeah, and it would be like, you would think it's finally over. Like, that was just a string. And it'd be like, and here is the number 16 pick. You'd think his life was great. Well, it was not. No. It was not. Even if his like mother and mother round. killed each other in a car accident. <laughs> Head head on. Car collision. <laughs> while he watched. <laughs> he was right there holding a football. Yeah. And they, like it was literally every single round. They're like, like, I'd never even heard of the player before. And it'd be like the fifth round. And they're like, but don't worry. We've got a heartbreaking story to tell you. Just because you might not know who this guy is, we are going to bring you to tears. Um, so hopefully a little less of that. I'm doing great, you know, loving loving right life right now. The warm weather is coming finally. Getting after it in the workouts. Working out always just makes me feel like incredibly great. I think there's there's nothing more addictive than working out besides probably like cocaine. Um, but there's <laughs> a, a second place is that uh, is working out uh especially once you start seeing like the results you know you get a little muscle definition and you're like this is hell yeah um and you know i've i've mentioned this to yannick it's uh, something i'm calling my summer project uh, i got a nice little summer crush that i will be chasing the next few months which that is the best gym motivation like you, you get a, a beautiful woman that you're trying to chase you're like i gotta i gotta get get this work in because i gotta be looking top notch Right. I agree, man. Like in terms of physical goals, there's nothing more motivating than being like, be hot enough for the person that you think is hot. Yeah. Be hot enough for the person that you think is hot. That's the goal, guys. It's to be like that hot person. I can, I, they're not out of my league. That's what I want. No. Cause we got yeah. the personalities. We got that under, <laughs> under lock. Got that for days. Like, we got that for days. So as, as soon as we get our summer bodies, y'all, y'all are you. You all don't have a chance. Y'all have a I've been, chance. I've been getting, I've been getting women far out of my league for years as a chubby kid. So you know, I, I lose a little bit of this fat. It's, it's game over for y'all. Oof. But uh, yeah, it's, I'm, dude, I'm just excited for the summer. Like I just, I like. Obviously, we kind of talked about this last time. Things aren't fully back and everything, but I'm vaccinated. Things are moving in the right direction. I think it's just gonna be, it's gonna be a fun summer for sure. Uh, but most important thing today, Jan, what are we drinking? Oh, well, you know, for our uh, inaugural, inaugural, that's the wrong, annual, uh, our anniversary, there we go. There's a word for a year. You got what you mean. Yeah, yeah, for our anniversary, for our first anniversary, I uh, I broke out the La Marca Prosecco mini bottle to celebrate. Wow, dude, I don't have a mini bottle, but that is what I'm sipping on as well. No way! Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that is. See, guys, that is that is what makes a good podcast partnership. Just, Mind meld. We're linked, man. We're linked. Dude, I, yeah. love, I love Lamarca. Oh, it's so good, man! It's that sparkling wine. It's Italian. It's everything you want. It's pretty cheap too. Like I think I got because I, I just got like the normal bottle. Like it's like fifteen bucks, maybe right. a little bit more than that. But like it's not expensive and just as good. And that's like I like to be a wine snob, and I certainly like to be a sparkly wine snob. 
But like the true, you know, art of, of drinking any wine is like finding the good wine that's only 15 or $20 because there's plenty of it that is just good enough and doesn't, you know, cost an arm and a leg. Yeah, exactly. Wine is as good as you need it to be. <laughs> and past that, anything will do. Anything will do. So true. Yeah, I, that's hilarious that you went with that. But I, like we said, we had, we had to celebrate the one year. We had to, we had to get a little bubbly to, to properly celebrate a whole year of doing the podcast, which is, yeah, that's, it's wild to me. It is wild. And also, you know what, like, while we have been, like, it feels like we've been doing this for a while and we've learned and stuff. But at the same time, I'm like a year, a year, yeah, a whole year. That's ridiculous, guys. A long ass time. That's a that's long some, ass That's time. some commitment. That is some commitment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so much we learned. We'll go over that later. But, yeah, it's it's just been a real great time. Has really, you know, just further cemented my love for sports far and wide. I feel like there's nothing I don't know um, because I'm just so engaged with it all the time, which is fun because, like, sports is only as fun as you engage with it. You know, as soon as you, like, stop engaging with it, you're like, yeah, I don't sure. care. Because yeah. it's sports. It doesn't really – like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But, like – no. But when you engage with it, it's like, oh, shit, this is this is like tense. This is cool. You know, so, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun, like having to invest myself more into sports that I normally wouldn't. Like, I feel like I've watched the UFC a little bit more. I've watched NHL a little bit more. I've watched, you know, just just everything like a little all the leagues in soccer. Usually I'd kind of keep my eye on the other ones outside of the Premier League. But like this year, I feel like I've watched more of them. So like, it's been it's been fun to do that. And it's also like, it's a great excuse to be like, like well, I got to go watch this sporting event because I got to talk about it with Yannick on the podcast. And if I don't watch it, then I'll sound like an idiot. Exactly. It's like, I have to watch, you know, this, this, uh, this Wednesday night hockey match or else what was it all for? <laughs> yeah. 2, 2 p.m. Chelsea and Real Madrid play. Sorry, I'm busy. If I don't want the Champions League, then I... I'm not doing my job. Then I'm not doing my job. Then what are we doing? And what kind of professionalism is that? What kind of commitment is that? It's it's not commitment. Uh, <laughs> well, let's get into it, Jan. UFC 261 this weekend. Um, I, I packed house in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course, I didn't. I didn't know exactly where it was at. And then, and like I was watching it with my buddy, and he's like, "Where's this being held?" Because like it looks full, and I don't see any masks. And I should have just guessed Florida, but I looked it up. And then, of course, Jacksonville, Florida, like that, that sounds, that is, you know, that is correct. Uh, As we kind of mentioned, one of the fastest main cards like ever, Uh, not a single one of the five fights on the main card even went two full rounds, Uh, just kind of an electric night for the sport. The first two fights, unfortunately, kind of ending for, for sadder reasons um, that they were cut short. The, The first one, Anthony Smith, Jimmy Crute. Anthony Smith really doing a lot of damage on that left leg for Crute. And then without about a minute to go in the first round, appeared to, to really injure Crute where he couldn't even walk. Um, kind of got Anthony Smith on the ground for, for that last minute and, and grappled with him for a bit. But in between the first and second round, there was a, a doctor stoppage giving Anthony Smith the win um, because Crute was just unable to, to carry on, which always sucks to see a fight in that way. Uh, but nobody's talking about that fight or how it ended because the next fight was, I mean, it's like, I, I remember I, I said to my friend when I was watching, I was like, this is like Kevin Ware. Like it's just, it's one of those injuries that you're like, you can't not watch it, but you also wish you didn't watch it. Chris Weedman 
uh, doing a late kick of his own on Uriah, Uriah Hall and, and suffering just one of the most horrifying looking injuries I've ever seen. Like the, the ankle just going limp. And then when he tried to step back on it, oh. It was Ugh. terrible. It was Ugh. awful. It was like, is, is Chris Ware that Louisville player? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, Kevin Ware. The, yeah, the Kevin few, Ware. He landed, he landed and the, the bone and, just... <laughs> And his shin just went out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Paul George when he injured himself too. I mean, yeah, I, I, those injuries, I can't, I can't do it. Um, and it just sucks because, yeah, he just, it's so fucking ironic too with like how Anderson Silva broke his leg on Weidman back in the day, like in 2015, yeah. that this would happen to him. Um, I, yeah, I, there's nothing else to say other than he shattered his leg. Like yeah. he just shattered his leg. It literally looked like in Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets when Lockhart gets rid of all of his bones. Like that's what his foot looked like. It looked like there was no more bones and it was just flopping around. And just and like those things suck too, because you could tell like Uriah Hall felt horrible. Like the whole audience, the commentators, like anybody watching that, like you're just like horrified and also just like heartbroken because they fought for like 17 seconds. You're not that. That's going to be a tough, tough injury to come back for. So certainly sending our best to, to Chris Weedman, and uh, you know that just just unfortunate. And that's the nature of of a sport, kind of like mixed martial arts. You can get some of those horrifying injuries like that. Right. Exactly. And uh, just happy the surgery looks like it went well. So hope that he can return sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's what happens sometimes, man. And and you just have to hope that it doesn't you know, change their careers for the worst. Um, Jimmy Crute, Jimmy Crute looked like he just had like a nerve injury almost like, you know, hopefully it's nothing serious because when you injure nerves in your, in your leg, it can kind of, when those, when there's no, when those nerves go, there's no getting them back. So I really hope that, uh, that he's, he's good as well. Um, but yeah, interesting, uh, first two fights, definitely not wanting them to end that way. Um, and then the rest of the night was bing, bang, boom. Yeah. The rest of them were all about just as quick, but um, for for better reasons. Uh, hopefully, recruit too. I mean, recruit's like twenty five. Weedman, you always worry with someone who's you know thirty six, and him and Uriah Hall. I didn't know this. They actually fought each other about ten years ago. A win by Weedman before they either were in the UFC. Uh, so kind of cool that they were going to get that rematch, and uh, and two guys who kind of were still trying to fight to show their relevance in the middleweight division. Um, so just tough break for them and, and, and tough break, uh, for, for crew and, and Weedman. We wish them the best. Let's get to, to the fun action. We had our, our first t- title fight, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. This was technically the longest of the three title fights. And I guess technically the longest fight on the main card, but to me, it felt like the most straightforward, like Valentina, Valentina Shevchenko, she defended the flyweight championship for a fifth time. She gets a second round knockout over Andrade. And Andrade never had a chance. I mean, it, it was absolute dominance from Shevchenko right from the start until she knocked her out, both in her striking, her wrestling, like everything that Shevchenko was doing. She was not only effective, she was completely dominating Andrade. Like I, I almost felt bad for Andrade at times because I was just like, there's nothing you can do. Right. I mean, it was just it was like Shevchenko expected to just outmatch and Andrade with the striking. And then she was like, actually, I'm going to win this match wrestling. In fact, that's how I'm going to win this one and show you that I can wrestle in every form. Right. Exactly. And, um, 
yeah, showed her strength at takedown, absolutely dominant in a title defense. It's her fifth title defense. Uh, she's been a champion since 2018. Uh, and for me, I don't know about you, Matt, but for me, she's the second most dominant fighter right now behind, obviously, Amanda Nunez. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think she, I mean, she looks, she, she's so, such a complete fighter uh, that that I, I would completely agree. And, and, and getting to that level of Nunez, too, of just, like, how much she's dominating her division. Like, we, we talked about it with Nunez before, and now you kind of do it with Shevchenko, where you're just like, who in your division is is going to beat you? Because Andrade was the top challenger. Like, yeah. he was the number one ranked challenger in the division, and she had absolutely no chance. Um, maybe we could, uh, you know, I always am a fan of people going up, down, weight. Shevchenko, Shevchenko. I mean, I think that would be a hell of a fight. Um, certainly more plausible since it's, you know, they're flyweight and bantamweight. It's not like there's a, a massive, massive gap there. Um, I don't know which one. I feel like Shechenko would probably have to go up. I feel like that happens more often. I might be wrong on that. Um, but that that could be a hell of a fight. And that, that feels like the only fight that, like, even seems enticing because of just how dominant both those women have been in their divisions. Right. And just get the get the trifecta, you know? Just have them pl- go three matches, make a lot of money, and then we'll see. That's all you need. That's all you that's the that's the perfect recipe. They're never there. they're never gonna be guys that uh make a lot of money thing. Yeah, there you go. That's you know, just fun for everybody. If, fun if for Ben Askren can go get his ass kicked from a YouTuber for you know five hundred K, then why what can't a, these guys give a real fight? Honestly, everybody's saying he took a dive. I was like, if by taking a dive you mean he didn't work out for three months and looked like a fat slob and then fought that he guy. To- I mean, he totally took a dive. He was like, I don't give a shit about this. Right. I'm about to get paid. And and it's – I wonder – like, I used to love Ben Askren. I kind of wonder if that Jorge Masvidal knee didn't knock something loose in his head because I just feel like he makes the dumbest decisions now. Right. I I agree. Any Anyone who – associates himself with jake paul and logan paul i'm just like you know i i you know i i respect the money game you're playing fine um i don't have any res- professional respect for you anymore though you know yeah. what i mean like i know like, he's not, i know he's not a boxer like i know he's more of like a wrestler but like as a guy who did fight in the mma like i don't know you think there would be a little more i i know box, boxing is all about money at the end of the day but like you, you would think ben Askren would have a little more I don't know what the word is. I, honor isn't really the word I'm looking for, but like that sort of like that respect towards the craft. But right. you know, I guess I want no, these. No, nobody's ever offered me half a million dollars to fight somebody. So That's that fair. might that might change my right. Exactly. Obviously, that where we're talking from a from a place of privilege where we're like we could say anything because we're not getting that money thrown at us. Yeah. Um. And I also, but I'm also done with these fights, guys. Like you know. Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul, maybe Logan Paul beats him. I I don't really know because Floyd Mayweather is a billion years old. But you know what I want, regardless of Floyd what happens. Floyd Mayweather it would destroy Logan Paul. Yeah. I can't remember. Like Floyd Mayweather is no. That's yeah. not that one. I don't think that one's ever gonna happen because Floyd Mayweather only fights for a shit ton of money. Like he he's not gonna fight at least like. And I know they're making a decent amount of money off these fights, but I don't. I mean, I haven't talked to anybody that actually bought them. Obviously, people are, and they're you know they're doing a decent job of like promoting them. And I know they have like musical performances and all this stuff. But like it, to me, it feels like it's it's something that's going to run its course eventually. 
Like, I, I don't really see this being yeah. like a long-term thing. And I have it right here. You know, uh, Jake Paul got called out by Daniel Cormier in the UFC ring. I dare Jake Paul to go fight Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier will rip his head off. And then that's it. We don't Jake Paul will never fight again. Jake <laughs> Paul will never fight again. He'll be like, oh, so this is what it's like. Holy shit. I'm not fighting, you know, Nate Robinson and Fat Ben Askren. I'm fighting one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. Right. Yeah, and then you know what? Good. Just have Canelo Alvarez go in the ring with Logan Paul and end that too. And then we can just be done with it, honestly. Like, RIP. There you go. I feel like I'm getting old too because I just hate all YouTubers. I tweeted this the other day. I was like, why are they all named Bryce or a Paul brother? Like, like every single one, they all look the same. They all are just like these entitled rich kids. I say from my parents' nice okay, house. But you know uh, what? But... I, I agree with you. And you know, but I, I number one, I, I agree with you. So I, I think that's a good stance to have. And number two, tell me that you're not also annoyed by the annoying people in our generation. I'm annoyed by those people too. Like, I absolutely am. So maybe it's not we're old. Maybe we're just like not lame. Maybe they are just annoying. That could yeah. be the case. All right, let's get back to a, to a real fight. Uh, the, the real kind of, Shock of the night. She wasn't a huge upset, but Thug Rose, stand the hell up again. Ooh. My girl, Rose Namayunas. Jeez, I really messed that one up. That's why I do, That's why it's just better to call her Thug Rose. Plus, it's a great nickname. Uh, but getting it done, pulled the upset to reclaim the strawweight, champ, strawweight championship. Uh, I got to see her live when she upset Joanna to win the belt the first time in New York. And I had a feeling she was going to do it again. I found a little odds boost on DraftKings. Rose made me a nice bit of money. Uh, and it was a fun fight. Like I, you could tell Rose really was going to get after it and go after it early. Um, you know, first round knockout from uh, one hell of a leg kick to Zhang. And, you know, now the question is with Rose is we saw her beat Joanna, get the straw weight. And then she beat Joanna in her first defense of the straw weight and then lost to Andrade, you know, kind of struggled. She's she to me, she's one of those fighters and one of those athletes that is so much more like maybe locked in or just effective when they're not supposed to get it done. Uh, and, and it's a different, it's a different task when you're going for the crown as opposed, as opposed to defending it. So uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how long she can hang on to the straw weight. If she's learned something from the last time she, she lost it and, and such um, because I hope she does. I, I think Rose is one of the most exciting fighters to watch. Yeah, I agree. And there was always that thought that she would upset Zhang despite Zhang's 21 fight win streak, which obviously is snapped now. Um, and, you know, I'm ready for the sequel of this. That's all I got to say. Zhang already disputed the knockout when it happened and, and, and she's already called for a rematch. And as much as I love me some Thug Rose, I do have a feeling that in the second match, Zhang would rip her head off. I have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. I think the third match is anyone's game, but I think the way that Zhang's feeling right now and what we have seen from Rose in title defenses versus title like challenges, I just feel like this is a three-part fight that's that's just waiting to happen. And, uh, you know, it's it's it was a shock. I, and for me, it was a shock. I mean, we know Thug Rose is good, but Zhang is so dominant as well. Like, if you if you told me before this, who are the two most dominant fighters between... Zhang, Shevchenko, and and Nunez. Obviously, Nunez is one, but Shevchenko and and Zhang would could have been tied for two. And after this one, it's not like that anymore. So, um, but yeah, I think Rose is just one of those giant killers. You know what I mean? Like she goes in the ring for fights, and and yeah, you don't want to see her in the ring for t for fights that mean something. You know, 
She'll lose all the fights that don't. She's like the Lakers. She'll finish fifth in the playoff in the playoff rankings, but she'll go all the way, baby. She really will. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, I I hope Rose kicks her ass again. I I get so annoyed with like with fighters that do what Zhang did. Like you were knocked out, dude. What what are you like? I I know it has to probably suck, and I know you're probably upset that that you got knocked out. It can't be a fun feeling. She knocked your ass out. You were done. You, you can contest it all you want. Nah, not a chance, which is why, and we'll get into it. I've got so much respect for Masvidal um, because like, I, 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 it has to suck getting knocked out. You have to be like, oh, damn. And, and it can happen so quick that it, it has to feel like sometimes like, shit, that didn't really happen. It's like falling through my fingers. So I respect so much when a fighter just kind of owns up. It's like, yeah, they, they got me. Like they, they deserve to win. Uh, which is exactly what Jorge, Jorge Masvidal said. And really, he kind of had to. The headliner, Kamara Usman against Masvidal. The rematch for the welterweight title, up for grabs. Uh, and, and you know, I, I didn't think Masvidal had a shot. I thought this was going to be a, a, an easy win for Usman. I didn't expect it to be him to win in that fashion. You know, the last fight we saw Usman just absolutely control the fight for five rounds with his wrestling and grappling. He You know, he kept... Uh, Masvidal locked in all five rounds so that Jorge never even had a chance to do any damage. This time, Usman wanted to prove that he is a complete fighter um, and he was ready to, to stay on his feet and, and, and not grapple and, and show that he's got the hands. And boy, did he show him. I mean, that hit on Masvidal was out before he even hit the canvas. Like I thought I thought Herb Jones should have called that fight before he did. Like as soon as it, that that fist hit the chin. He was done. He was done. Yeah, Usman somehow dominated him even more than the first time they fought, which was crazy. And Masvidal hasn't been knocked out since 2008. Remember, Masvidal's like super durable. So that oh, was dude, very... He's got a chin. Right. So very, very hard to do that. Um, and it just goes to show Usman is just gaining confidence and getting better somehow um, and showed that he can be a clinical strike technician as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Jorge Masvidal said all the things he needed to uh, what we see from Masvidal going forward will be interesting. I, I think his reign of being Jorge Masvidal has kind of reached its peak, and it's just going to keep going down from here. Um, it's, a, it's a hell of a peak that he's reached. I mean, he's you know truly the definition of, of a journeyman and has been through so much, and it's it's so impressive that he's even gotten to these uh, championship bouts, but I agree. Yeah, exactly. And now for Usman, the next fight's supposed to be against Colby Covington, which is, like, boring. Ugh, who wants to see that? Like, that's not... That's the that's gonna be the same fight. Oh, I can't I can't wait to watch Usman kick his ass. Yeah, that's what I'm I love saying. watching. I watch I love watching Kobe Covington get his ass kicked. And I think you know for me that fight too was like I, something I've always is as annoying as Bones Jones is. Something I've always appreciated him as a fighter is he wants to be uh, a mixed martial artist. He wants to be a complete fighter. He wants to be able to beat you in any single fashion. And even not even just that, he wants to take what you're best at and beat you in it. And that's what we saw from Usman this this weekend too, and that's the sign of, of a guy who's really becoming just you know one of the best fighters. We always do this after big fights of you know where's the legacy, but certainly a legacy that could be uh, really built upon from from Usman. He's defended the crown I think four times now, um, and, and just seems to be you know continuing to add elements to his game. I, I can't wait to watch him beat the shit out of Colby Covington. I love watching Colby Covington get his ass kicked. That's fair. What do you think Usman does from there? You think there's a fight for him and Izzy coming up for maybe a double t- t- double title 
situation? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it would be if it would be Izzy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it would be. But, I, you know, I think once you start defending your crown so much, uh, it, it, you do kind of start looking at that. I, I, I kind of feel like I would see Usman maybe going back, going to lightweight instead of going up in a weight. I know I just said that most of the time, usually it's people going up, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I'm Usman, I would at least try it, especially if you're going to keep on dominating. I mean, once he beats Covington again, uh, it, it's one of those things where it's like, man, you've, you've worked this division over and through with like, what, what more is there to prove? Um, so I, I think maybe too, I just, I, maybe I just want him to go down to lightweight. Cause I think it could be, uh, have fun. Obviously, it's going to be Michael Chandler or Charles Oliveira, uh, who will be the new lightweight champion, which I think is stupid. I, Dustin Poirier and, and Justin Gaethje should should be in that fight. But this is all strategy of money making. I, I get it, Dana White. Uh, but but I think like like a Poirier Usman fight, a Gaethje Usman fight, like that sounds so enticing to me. Right, I agree. Um, so Bones Jones, we mentioned him. He's currently ranked as the best pound for pound fighter. Is do you still stand with that, or or where do you have? Yeah, I, I think I think Bones Jones still has to be number one, but I, I think I put Usman too. I absolutely like, put Usman too. I, I, I think he's just like because of like seeing that like seeing him and Jorge Masvidal isn't like the greatest fighter of all time. We talked about it. He's he's a bit of a journeyman. He's kind of <laughs> kind of one trick pony, but but he's got his skill set. It's not like he's beaten the greatest fighter, but to to dominate a guy in title fights in such different ways uh, and and just like keep on adding to what he can do in the octagon, like yeah, I, I think I think he's easy number two for me right now. Right. And it's hard for me to even put like, it's hard for me to put Bones Jones above him even just because I haven't seen him fight since more than two years ago. So it makes me be like, "Uh, I don't, you know, I get it. But like, I don't really know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he really deserves it. Right. Exactly. But like, I think he is. Yeah. Like if if we're talking what I think, yeah, of course, I think he's probably a better fighter. But like in terms of who's earned it, I think Usman has earned that number one spot, even if he doesn't have it. Um, Yeah, for sure. But pound for pound rankings are always such a they're such a fun but stupid thing. Yeah, because like, Gano is like four right now. How like, do we and like oh, and how do you really compare like Alexander Volkanovsky to Francis Ngano? Like you it, it's so it's so it's almost uncomparable, but they're always fun to to do nonetheless. Yeah. I'd love to see Francis Ngano fight Alexander Volkanovsky. <laughs> he would murder the man. Yeah. He would murder the man. I well, I don't even know. I don't even know what he would do. Volkanovski's five foot six. Ngannou is what six four, six five. Like he and like was how- literally like a foot taller than him. Probably one hundred and fifty pounds. I, I, he would eat him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it it was a it was a great 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 uh, weekend of fights. As we said, the first two kind of ending in unfortunate fashion, but the next three, uh, getting three knockouts in all in the first couple rounds. Like it was, it was about as electric as a main card as I've ever seen. Right. I agree. Uh, UFC continues to impress and, uh, we just hope it can, you know, keeps getting better and better. Always like to see good fights. Yeah. And now, uh, of course mentioned it before UFC 262 will be that Chandler Oliveira headlining that one. We will crown a new lightweight champion now that, uh, Khabib has, uh, Stayed retired and everything. I think Dana White tried to hang on as, as long as he could. And 
I still think maybe there's a decent chance Khabib comes back at some point in his career, just because he still is a relatively young guy. Um, but for now, Khabib is done with the lightweight division, and um, I, that fight just it just upsets me that like Gaethje or Poirier aren't in the title fight. Like it, it's nothing to do with Chandler or uh, uh, Oliveira, but like I don't really get why Gaethje is getting punished for losing a title fight to one of the greatest fighters ever. Like I think Gaethje deserves another title fight. Um, and then Poirier, especially after, you know, a, a real strong performance against McGregor um, as well. So, but we will see what happens in the lightweight division. For sure. I mean, like, is there anyone that thinks that Oliveira or, or uh, who, who is he fighting? What's Michael Chandler. Name? Yeah. Is there anyone who thinks Oliveira or Chandler or, or any remotely like would stand up in a fight against Poirier or Gaethje? I, I don't think I, so. I mean, I think they can, they can, they can certainly battle with them. It's just, it's so, you know, for me, it's, it's just, sometimes it's just like, have you earned that, that fight? And it, it's weird. It's weird to me too, with the UFC of like, Poirier right now is the number one contender. Gaethje's the number two. And Oliver and Chandler are three and four. So why do you have the three and the four ranked contenders fighting for the title? Like you're acknowledging there's two guys that are better contenders right now, but they're not going to be the ones that are fighting for the the you know the belt. Seems a little odd. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think that. Uh... I mean, he just wants. I think maybe he just wants the belt to be fought over for a little bit, so he oh, yeah. and maybe that, in his that's what it is, right? In his head, he's like, whoever wins this is not going to hold on to it very long, and if they do, it's going to be a shock. So yeah, uh, it's like win, win. I get, I get, I get this title fight, and then I can put up whoever Chandler or Oliveira against Poirier or Gaethje, and then after that fight, Poirier or Gaethje, like you, you've got a whole kind of fights lined up for the future. Which I suppose that's why Dana White is. Uh, Made a decent amount of money in the UFC. All right, Jan, let's head on out to Hollywood. I uh, The Oscars were this past Sunday. I actually didn't even watch them this year. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm not a fan of the COVID style of the award shows. You know, I miss, I miss all the pop and circumstance. I get it. I get why we have to do it that way. But that doesn't mean I have to watch it. I, I just, the Zoom stuff, it just, it all makes me kind of sad. So I didn't tune in, but but still, you know, kept my my finger on the pulse. Nomadland, the big winner, takes on Best Picture, Best Actress, and Best Director. Some history there as well. Frances McDormand, only the seventh person to win three Oscars in acting categories, and only the third to have three or more as uh, just a lead. She joins the great Catherine Hepburn and Daniel Day-Lewis in that accomplishment. So terrific accomplishment for Frances McDormand. And then, of course, the Best Director winner, Chloe Zhao. Only the second woman ever to win Best Director and the first woman of color to do so. Uh, just a, tr- a tremendous achievement for her and, and one that is so deserved. I, I mentioned this before. I haven't watched a ton of the movies this year. Nomadland was one of the ones I saw. It, I, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen the other ones, so I can't really argue that it won Best Picture. I didn't think it was like Best Best Picture, but I do think McDormand and, and Chloe Zhao uh, deserve their, their wins. Yeah, I... <clears throat> I think that it was it was a great achievement, like based on like how they filmed the film with like real nomads, and that has something to like, you know, do with it. And Frances McDormand's a goddess among actresses. I mean, the fact that she had the stacked category and won again is just like my god. Um, and she's ridiculous, so that definitely helped. Um, but you know, I think it was just all the movies were very tight, so you could have picked any of them, and I would have I would have been like, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, the Oscars, they did some stuff where there was people in the room and there was like, you know, people going up on stage. So it felt like a little more normal. But um, yeah, just like overall awkward for me. Like I, I thought that it was just I, I was watching it and I felt uncomfortable more than I felt anything else. Um, <laughs> That's what I've kind of heard. Right. Like, and then it just, like, just had like a weird kind of like vibe to it. Right. And then like some people weren't there and then you watch them stand in the cold in Paris as they didn't win an award. And I was just like, this is a weird vibe. Like, just don't show them then. Like only show yeah. them if they win. Like there's no reason to show them. Um, Every year where there's at least like one person that's not even at like the, the normal one and we just like have a picture of them. Like, right. I, why don't we just do that? Right. Exactly. And um, yeah, there was a whole part where they went around and like played tunes from songs and they had to guess whether the songs got nominated or didn't get nominated. I was like, this is a dumb, this is like a weird, I don't like this guys. Like yeah. this, this is just awkward. And they said it was scripted. And I was like, well, that was the worst scripting in the world that no one got on. No one got on board with it because it seemed completely unscripted in the worst way. Um, but yeah, I mean the Oscars, what, what else do you want to say? I was happy with Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya's win. Obviously. Oh, hell yeah. I'm so pumped. He won. Um, like I haven't even seen that movie, but I'm, I know from every other Daniel Kaluuya performance that it's a deserved win. Right, exactly. So happy that he continues to make a a tremendous legacy as an actor. Um, Yeah, and then I love that the animated movie Soul got some love too uh, in in a couple of categories. I thought it's a great movie. Um, And and like a stacked animated movie category this year. So like I I thought that it was a good win for them. Um, And then the ending sucked. The ending sucked. The ending was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. The ending was the Game of Thrones of Oscars endings. It was just terrible. It, it just sounds work. like it just sounds weird to me because, like, first off, I, I think it's dumb that you don't do Best Picture. Like, I heard that Steven Soderbergh was like, "Well, everyone knows that Nomadland's gonna win, so we're not gonna do Best Picture." Look, that happens like most of the time with Best Picture, like especially because there's all the award shows before the Oscars. Like, ninety nine percent of the time, the movie that's won has yeah already cleaned up house. We know it's gonna happen, but like, Best Picture should be last. And then I think too with like. I'm not going to say Anthony Hopkins doesn't deserve to win, but it felt so much like even as somebody that didn't watch it, like that they've set this thing up as like, all right, we're going to do best actor last. And it's going to be this really nice nod to Chadwick Boseman uh, and, and and all that. And like, I think a lot of people felt like they were like swept, their feet were swept up under the rug because then like he didn't win. And I, I think even Anthony Hopkins, like, I think part of the reason he didn't come was because he didn't think he was going to win. Like he was like, Oh yeah, Chadwick Boseman's going to win. I love Anthony Hopkins. Like I, he he probably deserves the win as well, but it's like when you set something up like that and like, you're kind of like, I don't know. It it, it all seems, it all just seemed very poorly executed. Like the whole show. Right. I mean, the way that it should go, right. I mean, should be supporting actor, actress, lead actor actress director and then movie that's how it should go there's no reason for it to go any other way the fact that we knew who the best director was off the bat i was like i don't like i don't care if it's obvious like let it be obvious that's fine that just means it was a good movie there's no reason to switch it around and then there was also just like a bad image where it's like instead of this wonderful and tragically lost you know, black male actor winning. We had some old white male actor winning who didn't even show up, which is not, of course, not his fault. Like he was in Wales. Like he's, he didn't come because he didn't think he was going to win. Just felt fucking weird. And then he like had that acceptance video that he released the next day, which was like, oh yes, someone on uh, by the Academy 
Um, obviously, tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah, I did not expect this. <laughs> did not expect well, this. I, you know, unfortunately, too, like, I, I haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Like, we do do this stuff where, and I've said it about, Co- like, Kobe. I love Kobe to death. The way we talk about Kobe now, people talk about him as a greater player now that he's passed away. And I think, like, it's also with, like, the Chadwick Boseman thing. It's all, like, oh, you know, because he's passed, he deserves it. And, you know, there could be an argument for that because at the end of the day, when you're, like, trying to say this is the best performance, you you can't do that with acting. Like, there's just ne- – I can I could watch all five of those ones, and how am I really going to discern what the best performance was? Right. So I think maybe there's a, an argument for being like, look, Chadwick Boseman's never going to have a chance to win an Academy again. I know Anthony Hopkins is old. But he he's won one, one already. Yeah, he has one, and but you know, then, then too, it's like, well, do we give it to somebody because it's a nice story, or do we give it to somebody because it's deserved? I, I mean, I've heard Anthony Hopkins is, is absolutely terrific in that movie, uh, so I, I don't think like, and that's the other shitty thing too. Now, like, people are like, ah, screw you, Anthony Hopkins. But Anthony Hopkins didn't fucking do anything. Anthony right. Hopkins, like, why is Anthony Hopkins the bad guy? Steven yeah. Spielberg's the bad guy for having a dumb setup for a show. Right, exactly. And then the 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 whole like stand like the whole what is it called? You know, eulogy to all the people that had passed was like weird too. And they missed yeah, I some heard people. That was bad. Yeah, they missed some people too. Yeah, it was just basically like a half a second per face. And so you just were ended up being like, Oh yeah, everyone died this year. And it was just like that sucks to remember. Thank you very much. Instead of like an actual tribute. Um, you know, I, I just yeah, I think it was poorly run. And also, I'll, I'll say, like, when you have question, oh, but is that just for the story? Matt, they love doing things for the story. That is the Oscars. They do things for the story. They love oh, that sure. shit. Yeah, so, for like, sure. for me, it's like, why not do it this one other time? Like, like I don't understand what held them against that. Um, Especially when you set it up like they set it up. Like, if, if Best Actor wasn't going to be last, I think there would be less of like kind of a bit of an uproar but like when you've got it set up like that it just feels like all right now they're going to give a, a nice little award to chadwick and, and and honor him in that way as the last one it, it feels like very like i know they didn't promise that but that that felt like what it was going to be promised and so then when you're like oh shit what it you know right and then Joaquin Phoenix having to re- present the award and, and i'm imagining in his head he's like God, I hate fucking award shows, but at least it can't be any worse than accepting one. And then he has to read that it's not Chadwick Boseman and that he has to accept the award for Anthony Hopkins because he's not there. He's just like, I'm fucking done. You will never catch me at one of these things ever again. I hate all of you. Joaquin Phoenix makes me laugh because Joaquin (laughs) Phoenix is like, I mean, he's like super cool. And I think Joaquin Phoenix is very down to earth. Then he's also, you know, so like, oh, I hate all this stuff. Dude, you're like married to the woman whose family owns the Giants and the Steelers. I'm not really sure you've got any place to like. Yeah. You know, I mean, it. I agree. I mean, it's weird. It's it's easy. That's how like Hollywood celebs are. For sure. Yeah. It's easy to throw pebbles when you have all the options at at your feet, you know? Yeah. But uh, the one thing I uh, last thing on the Oscars I, I liked is I feel like so many times too, like one movie kind of dominates. And that really wasn't the case this year. Nomadland won the most with three, uh, but then The Father got two, Judas and the Black Messiah got two, Marini's Black Bottom, Soul, Sound of Metal, Mank. I, I liked how how much just the, the awards were were spread about. Um, I thought that was was a cool cool thing to to happen. But uh, 
the uh, award ceremonies are done. Hopefully by next year, we'll, we'll get it back to, to normal. Um, let's talk about some, some other winners, Jan. Some winners that'll be crowned soon. We're looking at just Spain and France, La Liga and Ligue 1. Bayern Munich's got the Bundesliga wrapped up. Inter's going to win Serie A. We know City's going to win Premier League. But there are some tight battles in Spain and France. In Spain right now, you've got Atleti at first with 73 points, Real 71, Barca 71, and Sevilla with 70. Each team has five games left except Barcelona, who has six games. So they have a game in hand and, and can jump at Letty with a win. Where do, you, where do you see this race going? Oh, I think Barcelona's going to win. I think it's, you know, there's a game between Barcelona and, and Atleti in a couple of weeks, and I think that's going to determine who wins between the two of them for sure. But I think Atleti needs to win that game to, to hold off Barcelona. I just, they have a game in hand. They're going to win besides uh, that game against Granada. Besides that game against Atleti, they don't really have any major competition. They don't have any other competition to focus on. You know, Messi is is pissed, which you don't ever want Messi pissed when it comes to a title race. Um, and also, like, you know, as much as we shit on Barcelona, we have to remember that besides losing a close El Clasico, they haven't lost or tied since February 21st. They've been absolutely fire in La Liga since since the end of February. And besides a tight classical loss, um, I don't think Real Madrid is going to be focusing on La Liga with their chance at the Champions League. So I think that they're more likely to drop points. Um, and Sevilla, you know, they have a game against... Uh, against Real Madrid. So, you know, maybe if they win that game, they can gain some momentum. But with it so close, I just don't see Sevilla being able to, like, win out like Barcelona can. Um, but when, I, they, when, they had to get, when they had to get over Real, Barca, and Atleti, it's just like, man, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough that's pass. A tough like, ass. Like I don't love was, it. If it was, like, one or the other, like, if it was, like, Sevilla is in this tight race with Barca or, you know, maybe even just two of them, I, I think I would be like, yeah, they can get it done. But, like, all three of the, the heavyweights standing in front of you, that's that's tough. Right. I expect Barcelona to win out. They're going to win that game against Atletico, and that's going to kind of be the winner. Atletico finishes second. And more than likely, I see Sevilla beating Real Madrid in that game, and then they get their plaudits as like third or tied for second based on how that works, and Real Madrid finishes in fourth. But yeah, I mean, La Liga exciting, which just begs the question, why did you need a Super League if you might barely win the league that you're in? Excuse me. Why'd you need a Super League, guys? What what happened? Like you said, just just be honest with us, guys. You're just doing it because you want money. Yeah, like, we don't. It's gonna be more competitive now. Yeah, you want more money? <laughs> then don't, say feed, it, don't feed me. Don't feed me shit and say it's chocolate cake because yeah, they don't taste the same. That shit still stink. That shit yeah. still stink. Um, but yeah, I mean, super exciting to see La Liga as. Um, as competitive as it is, obviously I want Sevilla to win because the other three were in Super League. I obviously want Sevilla to win. Um, I I think it would be hilarious. I think it would be the perfect ending to this whole saga if Sevilla came from behind and won. I just oh, think great. I would I would be like the guys that are usually in Europa League just came in and won because y'all are just these greedy assholes. I would love it. I would love even it. if Letty would win because like I mean <laughs> I don't like giving Letty a total pass, but I think at Letty in that Super League thing is is kind of like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place of like, look, we really, for our future, we should try and, right. you know, connect ourselves to Barcelona and Real Madrid. I don't think they're as, you know, evil as those two clubs are. So like, it is one of those things where it's like, man, do we really, I would have liked to see them stand up and say no, but I, but I get why they felt the need to do it. Uh, but yeah, I, I would love Sevilla one at Letty two. 
it's just not Barcelona and Real Madrid. But I, I think you're right. When, especially um, any team with Messi, a Barcelona Messi team, like, and you're picking between other teams, like, it's how many years have we seen him and, and this club get it done? I, I agree completely. I think I think it will be Barcelona, but God, I, I hope I hope it's Atleti or Sevilla. Sevilla would be the best, but I'll I'll take an Atleti win as well. Me too. I would love if Luis Suarez scored against Barcelona to to knock them out of the race. I would absolutely adore that. It would be it would be perfect. It would just be uh, perfect. We make and, great stories here on this podcast. We always make just the best and they never happen, but they should. Yeah. They're just like, come on, make the drama be just a little bit better. Why can't Marquette go to the Final Four? Tell me that. Why can't they? <laughs> Dude, next year we're going to do an episode of it's just going to be a Marquette basketball preview episode. We're just going to dive all in on the Golden Eagles. Oh, that's going to be an annual one. And one that's of these a- years, I'm going to be right. And then y'all are going to have to. Probably. <laughs> like eventually, you probably will. I mean, I think Shock is going to do a great job there. All right, Jan, maybe probably the most surprising uh, race that, that we actually have is down there in, in France. Uh, exciting between PSG. Lille and Monaco. Lille is in first with 73 points. PSG, 72. Monaco, 71. Lyon's got 67, but a little a little more back uh, as opposed to those three when you just got, you know, two points separating first place from third place. Four matches to go for all of them. Does PSG get it done? You mentioned it last week. Could this be the year PSG finally wins in the Champions League and, and doesn't win in, in league earn? Uh does PSG get it done? Does, does Leo hold on? Does Monaco maybe jump these guys? I mean, they, they are only two points off the lead. Uh, you know what? I, I was hoping, because Lyon played Leo last week, and if Lyon had won that game, it would have been another four-way tie, and I was really hoping for that. I thought that would have been so cool, and in that case, I would have been like, I don't think PSG is going to win because there's just too many teams where you know they, they have to win out a little bit. Um, but Leo won 3-2. They showed their fortitude against a good Lyon team, you know, they play Len, Nice, Angers, and Saint-Étienne in their last four matches. You know, I think they can win out. And I think PSG is focusing on the champion. There's no reason for them to focus on Liga. I mean, they 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 go into those games hoping to win for sure. But they their goal is to is to win uh, the Champions League. That's what they're there for. And that's, yeah. there's no, and, and past that, fans don't care. Let me tell you, if Bayern won the Champions League and didn't win the Bundesliga and broke that streak, no Bayern fans would care. No Bayern fans would no. care at all if we won back-to-back Champions Look, you win, you win Champions League, you're the best club in the world. I don't, I don't like, I don't care if you don't win your domestic league. I really don't. Like, you, right. you are, exactly. like, you get to take that title. It's like getting the number one seed. It's like, yeah, it's nice, um, and it's like something that should be honored. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that especially means- when you when you've been as dominant as PSG's been in league, or like league, they've won so many French domestic leagues that it's like. I think we can take a year off to go and, and win Champions League. I, I think you're right. Mostly, I think Lille's just been so consistent and, and that the, those last four matches aren't really that much of a daunting task. It's kind of, you know, the the, the title races in, in so many leagues, it comes down to really draws. And, like, you look at Manchester City and Manchester United, Manchester City was able to turn more of those draws into wins as opposed to to Manchester United having to settle in for draws. What's happening here in France is Lille was able to turn a lot more losses into draws, and, and PSG wasn't. I mean, the, Lille's 21 wins, 10 draws, 3 losses. PSG, 23 wins, 3 draws, 8 losses. And that's like, 
it, sometimes it's the fact that you have to make those draws into wins. Sometimes it's just getting the draw instead of getting the loss. And, and that's what Leal's been able to do. Yeah. They're Leipzig. That's what Leipzig does all the time. They just draw their way to the second place, honestly. Um, no, I hey, agree. That's your, hey, that's your future, man. That's the future. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, no, but I, I, I think that while I think Leal will hold it out, I mean, let's be honest. The pressure is on them. They can't drop a single point. They can't even oh, yeah. get a draw. Otherwise, it's over. In my head, it's like if they get a draw, PSG is going to win. Like, I'm just watching their last four results. They have to win out, unfortunately. But they are only a point ahead. They are just not anywhere close to, like, out of this race. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I hope Lille pulls it out. They won the league a couple of years ago, you know, pre-PSG being the dominating. Was that back when uh, Hazard was on? On their squad? Yeah, back when Hazard was on the squad. They, back were, when they had a the good team. goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's... Uh, and of course, Monaco a couple of years ago, you know, knocked off PSG and had that great run when with you know, they were stacked with, like, their whole team, I think, is now on other clubs. Yeah, it's like, Mbappe passes to Falcao, who passes to... It's just like, oh, they have every good player on FIFA. Got it, got it, got yeah. it, got it. Um, to passes to Anthony Martial in his prime. Like that just, team, they were fun to watch. They were fun to watch. They, I wish they had won the Champions League. That would have been fun, but they unfortunately couldn't get it done. Um, but yeah, I think that Lille has the best chance of finishing. So we'll see Lille in Barcelona, but anything can happen. I'm very excited to see that considering how disappointing Serie A ended up being with AC Milan just in free fall um, and Juventus not at all finding any form that is worth God, I know. hearing about. It's just you thought something I thought, would give. I thought Syria like for sure was gonna be Yeah, like I thought for sure Syria was gonna be like the fun race to watch. And Inter's just kind of stuck with it and and everyone else is just not matched them. It's a little disappointing. And it's always nice to have at least one. I mean, sometimes we get to this point of the season and when we have five champions basically crowned. Um, but two two pretty exciting races, one that we did not see coming at all, uh, and one that you know, usually Barca and Real are, are, are battling, but it's fun to have Atleti there. And, and Sevilla still is going to, you know, try and say something for it. Uh, Jan, let's talk a little New York basketball. Basketball is back in New York City. The Mecca, Ooh. baby. Ooh. I love it. The Mets are the number one seed in the East, even though Harden, Durant, and Irving have played seven games together. That's why, I mean, like, I, I've got so many friends who are like, well, can the Nets stay healthy? I'm like, do they really need to? They're first in the East. I, I'm not sure staying healthy is that. Plus, when you have three dudes that can go off, if you've got two of them, you're, you're sitting pretty well. Uh, and, I, and I've been extremely impressed with the, the bench by the Nets. Bruce Brown, especially, having a really, really good year. Nicholas Claxton becoming a better defender. Uh, Shamit's starting to play better. Of course, Joe Harris always always kills it. Uh, but really, the story out of New York, uh, let's be real, it's the New York Knickerbockers. It's the Knickerbockers. <laughs> they, they did lose last night, but they were on a nine-game winning streak. Julius Randle is having uh, – he better at least be second-team All-Pro. He is having a tremendous year. Uh, I always – I always like – when he left Kentucky, I was like, I think he could be a good pro. I never thought he would be this good. He's lighting it up from three – uh, and the team just plays terrific defense. Uh, it's been fun to hear, too, like Derrick Rose talk about Tom Thibodeau and how he's changed as a coach, how he kind of used to be such a, you know, real tight kind of, you know, almost like an army general of this is how it's going to go and, and, and all intents and stuff and how he's learned as a coach from his time in Chicago to now. Uh, and clearly that's showing through because this is a young Knicks team. Uh, so he, he's pushing the right buttons. 
is there anybody that can catch him for coach of the year? Not if the Knicks continue to play this way. If they finish fourth in the East, my God, fourth in the nuts. East? That's nuts to me with the Nets and the Bucks and the 76ers and every other good team that's in there. I mean, I I, I think they're having – They'd finish in front of the Heat. They'd finish in front of the Celtics. Like, it, Yeah, well, why? fuck the Celtics. So that's not <laughs> – fuck the Celtics right now, honestly. They're ruining their team. Um, no, I, I think the Knicks are, are great. I think Julius Randle is a legitimate all-star with how he's played. Uh, I think he's really come into his own. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some team poaches him from the Knicks um, if their Knicks aren't careful. Um, and yeah, RJ Barrett is the rising star. We hoped he would be in his rookie season. He's only taken steps forward, which is good to see for him. Derrick Rose kind of seems to be the stalwart veteran now in that team, a good, a good leader. They got a host of great other players that to, to support, you know, I, you don't want to see them in the playoffs. I know it's going to sound like a joke when the Knicks are in the playoffs, but you don't want to see them in the playoffs. I'm sorry. You don't. Knicks are going to, if the Knicks keep playing this way, they're going to knock out some big team that you're not expecting. Like, I, I don't know if I would take the Knicks or the Nets in a, in a, in a six game series, just because I like of who, de- depending on who's available for the Nets, you know, and, and the, and the defense the Knicks play versus the lack of defense that the Nets play sometimes. Um, as, but having that being said that anyone who makes any kind of argument about the injury thing for the Nets is ridiculous because number one, it's the regular season. It doesn't matter. And number two, like, yeah. And they're still winning they're games. Still, they're, they're still, still the winning the games. Like, like it's not want? like they're, it's not like they're fifth or even like third and, and like dealing with these injuries, they are top of their conference. It's only by a game, but they still are. Right. And Blake Griffin last night was like, I'm going to score 16 points. And when Blake Griffin starts to find his form, forget it. Forget it. They have four guys that can go off at any time. And that's like, dude, I love that Blake Griffin has, but like, I, I don't know. Blake Griffin is probably not going to score 16 points that many times. I love that. He's like, yo, I know what I'm here to do. I'm going to be a bruiser. You want me to, to battle down low? You want me to be the physical guy? Like I will take that role. And I love to see that from a player who used to be a superstar, who used to be the guy on his team to be able to be like, no, I know what role I need to serve on this team. Durant's better score than me. Kyrie's better score than me. You guys don't need me to do that. What you need is somebody that's going to be like, all right, you want to throw hands? I'm down to throw hands. And I love to see that out of Blake Griffin. Right. And I think the retirement of LaMarcus Aldridge as shocking and kind of disappointing it was for Nets fans is only going to help in the terms of how Blake Griffin develops into that player. He's going to have to pick up more of the slack and he's feeling himself right now. And I'm sorry if Blake Griffin can get anywhere near his all-star form, forget it, forget it. They're going to sweep the finals. It's not even going to be close because by then KD is just going to take the whole semifinals off and be healthy. Kyrie's just going to score 40 points. I mean, it's just like, I haven't even talked about Harden yet. I haven't even talked about Harden yet. And Harden, maybe the most unguardable player in the NBA, right? Right. I mean, the way that this Nets team is going, if they can keep this group of guys together, they're going to win back to back to back. I mean, it truly does seem like that. And, um, you know, I just don't know any other team. The Bucks look phenomenal at times. The 76ers look phenomenal at times. Um, but my, my question is, when it comes playoff time and you have Kyrie and Harden and KD, playoff versions of those players, I mean – they they might like let in 140 points every game and still win everything. Like I yeah. just don't know. Like I don't I, think I've ever. I think I think Kyrie's playing his best ball ever. Absolutely, right he is. Absolutely, and, and like Durant. Is. Durant is 
maybe not the top of his career. He's he's right there. He he hasn't really lost a step. And as mentioned, James Harden, uh, probably the most unguardable guy in the NBA right now, especially with his ability to to pass the ball and and still be able to, to fill it up. Doris Burke was actually, when I was watching the, the Nets game on Sunday, she brought it up like Blake Griffin for his career also averages about like five assists, apparently. And I didn't realize that. And like, that's a huge thing, too. Just having like a guy that plays that role that still has some great court vision. Uh, I, the Nets, I, they look deadly. And as for the Knicks, they kind of I feel like they're going to be the heat of this year's playoffs yeah. of, you know, Julius Randle probably be like kind of the Jimmy Butler guy, the, the star. But the rest of it is just like just a really good team that plays really, really well together. They're committed on the defensive side of the ball. They, they just work well together. And, and while they don't have, you know, a big three like Durant, Irving, and Harden, they play so superbly as a unit. And, and that's, that's a tough thing to beat. I actually love that comparison because then you think Derek Rose is kind of like a Goran Dragic type and you have uh, Tyler Hero would be Isaiah Quickly. You know, like there's, there's like a good comparisons there. Um, and I think that they could definitely make it to the final um, if, if anyone's, if people like underestimate them, it's, it's going to be a quick, quick series. Uh, so I'm, 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 I'm just mad that there's no basketball, like for me to watch right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm mad that I'm not just hopping stadiums every night, which I would oh, be gosh. doing. I I'd just be hopping stadiums every night. Like, that's what I would do. Let's just watch New York win so every great. night. <laughs> God, we'll go, we'll go to shitty MSG because it still rules, even though it's a piece of shit. And we'll go to the nice Barclays Center and and just watch <laughs> very different basketball, like you said. Like one is more like we're gonna make you work for it, and we're gonna grind out forty eight minutes of basketball, and the other is like we're just gonna outscore you because you can't stop us. Oh God, I love basketball right now. It's ridiculous. I love it. It's it's awesome. But yeah, to- Coach Tibbs seems I like has to be Coach of the Year. Oh yeah, I don't know how he can hit anyone else. Some big coaching news. We will get to yours in a bit, but in the women's college game, this had me shocked, Yannick. Kim Mulkey leaving Baylor after 21 years, three NCAA titles, 12 Big 12 titles, including 11 straight up until this year. I mean, she had turned Baylor. Oh, there's Scarlett's uh, intake. She She's upset that Kim Mulkey's leaving, I guess. Oh, I understand. Yeah, but, you know, turned Baylor into – one of the premier programs in women's college basketball. It was right up there with UConn. It was right up there with Stanford. It was right up there with with the best of the best. I actually even was looking at uh, ESPN's first bracketology for the women's tournament next year because I wanted to see where they had the Hawks. They got us as a three seed right now, which I love. Um, the clones are a four seed. They've got Baylor as a one seed. Like, Kim Mulkey's leaving Baylor. They're going to still be one of the best teams next year. She's going to LSU. Uh, she was born and raised in, in Louisiana. Uh, a player, she won a, a national championship at Louisiana Tech uh, and started her her coaching career at Louisiana Tech as well as an assistant, uh, but takes over at LSU for the Tigers, uh, you know, a, a program that in the early 2000s had had a lot of success, went to, I think, three or four straight Final Fours, uh, but since 2008 have not really gotten quite back there. It's it's a, a bit of an interesting marriage, but you can't help but think success is going to follow. Like Kim Mulkey is, is such a, an icon in in the sport now, and with all the uh, um, tools at her hand uh, at LSU, I, I, I feel like she's going to get that program turned around and competing for national championships pretty quickly. Right, a hundred percent. I agree. Um, 
It is surprising, just because I'm not surprised after hearing all of the Louisiana background that I wasn't 100% clear on um, before. Like, now that the move has happened, I do, like, see, you know, the hometown vision of it. Um, but, yeah, just to leave a team at the top, you would think, you know, where are you going to go, UConn? That would be the only other thing I'm thinking of. You go to UConn. Like, that's that would be the other team. And, obviously, you're not going to go to UConn because they already have a Hall of Fame coach over there. So, um, I think that... You know, it's a surprising move. We'll see what happens to Baylor after Monkey leaves. She obviously won uh, three titles in 21 seasons, including 12 regular season titles and 11 Big 12 10 tournament titles. So nothing but success over there. Also came to Baylor kind of like kind of like the men's uh, coach, you know, in the t- in the wake of all of the scandal uh, and helped propel Baylor to be a powerhouse again. Um, and yeah, she Especially goes like with with. The Baylor basketball program, and then, of course, with Art Bryles, like Kim Mulkey and the Baylor women's basketball thing was the only good news coming out of Waco, Texas for a while. Right, exactly. They're like, can we just pretend that other sports don't exist? We're just women's basketball Let's teams. just That's- play women's basketball. The Baylor we Lady are, Bears. We're really fucking everything else up. We, we really don't know what we're doing, but Kim Mulkey's a good coach, so we're just going to focus on that. Um, yeah, and LSU has yet to win a national title, so with Mulkey at the reins and wanting to be there, like really seeming like she wants to bring a title there, I, I have no doubt that you know they're going to be in a, in a place to do that uh, sooner rather than later. Um, and honestly, kind of returning, coming back to, coming to another college program that's also marred in you know, some sports managing culture issues with the whole Les Miles thing going on right now. So you, you kind of see like a comparison there. So hopefully she can change that culture like she did at Baylor. Um, but I mean, honestly, like, of course, a shock, because how do you go out on top like that to a program that's not? I mean, it, it, you know, for her, I see it returning to her roots, still shocking. You know, it's like, you know, if you told me, I'm trying to think of a compare a comparison, but like, it's, it's like if you told me... Um, you know, if you told me Mark Few decided to go to Alabama, it's like, yeah, Alabama's good, but why would you leave Gonzaga? Even if you're from Alabama, why would you leave Gonzaga? And he hasn't yes. even won. And he hasn't even won a national championship at Gonzaga. Like Kim Mulkey's right. got three titles at Baylor. Like she's 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 made Baylor the the cream of the cop. Like yeah, of course UConn, of course, will always be like the program but like Baylor has been just as good really as UConn over the last decade she is still you know relatively young 58 years old when it won her first title at Baylor when she was just 42 so has a lot of time left but I agree like look obviously they threw a ton of money at her uh that that had to have helped push her away she, she wasn't gonna leave Baylor unless LSU paid her right and and we talked about it being home homegrown and everything but it is still surprising just because it, it it's like Damn, you, you would think you'd be pretty settled there, but uh, I, I she's a competitor too. I mean, I, I, I'm sure she's kind of like, you know what? I want to go and and I want to go build a program somewhere else. I'm going to do this shit twice, which is uh, kind of an admirable thing to do. Right. I agree. Very admirable and love to see it. It's like in FIFA when you win it all and then you, you, you become coach of Morecambe Ranger, Morecambe, the, more, the shrimps. You know what I mean? The Morgan oh, yeah. Rovers or whatever, and and then you win it all there, and and then you're like, who else? Dude, well, I love I love starting in like the lowest division of England. And and I'm, like, I'm going to bring it back. League of Two, bring them up, bring them up. That's what I. It's way think. more fun to do it that oh, way. Oh, so much fun! So. Hi, much Jan, fun. Hey, well, speaking of soccer, Bayern Munich has their next head coach, Julian Nagelsmann, will be appointed the new head man for Jan's Bayern Munich. 
the club uh, continuing their dominance in Germany by doing the greatest move ever and poaching away your rivals, best players and, and coaches. I mean, it's a genius move. I, I, I love it. Uh, of course, some success at Hoffenham. He's, he's been great at RB Leipzig. What's your reaction, Jan? Uh, the biggest thing to me that I noticed was quite a younger coach than Bayern's had in a while. I think Pep was was 40, maybe 42 when he was first hired, but Nagelsmann only 33, uh, which kind of makes you maybe wonder, is this going to be something for a little long term? Uh, but w- what's your general reaction as a Bayern fan? Oh, I love it. I love it. There's, You know what? The Bayern, the Bayern problem has been that we always get into this focus of like, oh, we're a big club now. Let's hire a big coach, you know? And and not that Julian Nagelsmann isn't a big coach. Juventus was looking at him. You know, other teams in Premier League are looking at him. So it's not like he's not a big coach. Um, but he's a younger he's coach. He's not, not one of those big names. It's not like right. the Louis van Gaal, the Carlo Ancelotti sort of well, thing. He's relatively yeah. Well, he's relatively unproven in terms of big tests. You know, he, mm. he has brought teams to the pinnacle in terms of like being competitive when they once weren't. Um, but yeah, he's, he's more of a wunderkind than he is like an actual star coach. Um, but like, look at Bayern in the past with these big coaches that they thought were going to look out. Look at Louis van Gaal didn't work out. Look at Carlo Ancelotti didn't work out. Look at Pep Guardiola didn't work out as much as they wanted it to like, yes, they can win the Bundesliga, but that, that doesn't mean anything anymore, uh, for the most part, because these other teams can't get their shit together. Um, and so I, I think it's a great move. Julian Nagelsmann is from Bavaria, so he's born and raised. And the Bavarian culture is like Texas. It's like there, there, there comes a lot of respect with being from Munich when you are coaching in Munich. And number two, you need a German coach. All the coaches that we've done well with, Hansi Flick, Jupp Heynckes, you know, when, when, um, when Jurgen Klinsmann was there and we were doing well with Podolski. Like, you know, all Felix Magat, all really good uh, coaches and all German. And I think that's just how it has to be uh, in Bayern Munich. I always am skeptical when they're not, they were looking at, for example, they were looking at Pochettino and I thought, I don't, don't bring an Argentinian guy over here. It's just not going to work. It just doesn't work out. It doesn't just, work out. I also just don't know why Pochettino keeps getting hired so much. Like, I agree. Is he just like a great guy or something? Because he's he not getting, he's not getting it done at any of these stops. He must be, honestly. And um, honestly, like, obviously, I don't want Hansi Flick to leave. There's been some internal, there's been some internal conflict with him and his son, Sali Hamicic. I hope Sali Hamicic, he's the sporting director right now. I hope he leaves. Um, but also, Hansi Flick's not leaving on bad terms. He's leaving to go coach the national team. Like, let's all just, like, let me yeah. spoiler alert you there. He's He announced him, like, con- terminating his contract about, like, four four weeks after after Yogi Love was like, I'm going to leave the national team. So Hansi Flick going to go up and take, and it's like a trend we've seen. Jurgen Klinsmann's assistant was Joachim Löw, and Joachim Löw's assistant was Hansi Flick. And that's just how it works, and that's how Germany stays so consistent because they have these kind of avenues towards the top. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the question is, will this help or hurt Bayern as they do transition into a new era? You know, Javi Martinez is leaving. Jerome Boateng looks like he's leaving. David Alaba looks like he's leaving. Um, you know, it, it's a new era. And I, 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 I am, I'm confident because I think while you look at 33 years old, there are no big personalities that he's going to have to like convince. Like Thomas Muller is the biggest one. And, and Thomas Muller is a great guy. who's only going to help him coach the younger guys. Um, Thomas Muller just wants to win. Like, Thomas right, exactly. talking to him, he's like, I don't give a shit about being a prima donna. I just want trophies. 
Right, and I think he's only going to help these really young guys that we have that hopefully will be the stars of the future, the Jamal Musialas, the uh, Alfonso Davies, hopefully the Leroy Sané's if he can find his form kind of again. I think he'll be able to connect that while also still being a pretty good coach. He has Leipzig still in the race now, even though it does seem like it's it's all said and done. He still has Leipzig there, even though Leipzig just lost Timo Werner. Uh, he's shown that he can still keep a team. I for me, like, we'll see how this goes. You know, obviously hard to say. Hansi Flick had so much success. But how funny is it that another top team in Germany was like, I'm just going to give you our biggest asset. It's like, you know, Dortmund gave us Lewandowski and Goetzen. They haven't been the same since. And now Leipzig are going to give us Nagelsmann and Upamecano. And they're still also not going to be the same. I, I just, you know, it's like it's like what happened with the Chiefs and the Ravens, where the Ravens gave the Chiefs Orlando Brown. And you're just like, what are you doing? Are you stupid? <laughs> like you gave them what they need just just cause? Like uh, that's why? Why would you do that? It's like someone saying, "I want to shoot you. I just I'm out of bullets." And he's like, "I'll I'll 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 oh, sell you this bullet." Hey, here's a couple. Yeah, here's a couple. Like I got a in my pocket. Yeah. yeah, and even if it was for a lot of money, because they had to pay out Leipzig twenty five million dollars to get um, him out of the contract to sign him, so it was expensive. But, like, what are you going to do with that $25 million that's going to help you beat Bayern in the next? What are you going to do? There's nothing. $25 million is nothing. So, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it seems I like think, a dumb- I think sometimes, though, too, it's like, I mean, Bayern has such a stranglehold. I think, like, it, and, and, you know, this could be the critique of, like, the Super League was a, was a miss. I think there's, like, there are some critiques of, like, soccer that, that are, are, are justifiable because, like, sometimes these clubs do kind of have to just be like, we just kind of have to accept the position we're in and maximize that position as much as possible because like what can they really do to to you know stop that the, the dominance that they have um but yeah it's i I, th- I think it's a great hire and some consistency of the coaching position when like you said it's 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 kind of a, a, a an end of an era at Bayern with with a lot of those older guys i mean manuel Neuer and, and and thomas Mueller are, are not getting any younger they still can certainly play but like we, we see that the, the end of their career is on the horizon. It, it's not going to be those guys leading the team uh, for the next few years, but obviously uh, a really strong young base that, that you guys got still that I, I think with those older guys and, and with, you know, a, a manager that is going to be there for a while, I think can, can continue that dominance and hopefully win you some more European championships. I hope so. You know, that's always the hope. Um, yeah, I obviously very, very grateful for Hansi Flick and all the guys that are going out. Alaba, Boateng, obviously the centerpiece for so many years for my favorite teams. Um, but yeah, it's a new era, and I think we also need to change tactics up. I think it's been shown in the last couple of years that Bayern's, you know, gig and pressing that's been happening and their 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 high line and Neuer coming out being sweeper keeper. Neuer's also not getting any younger. He can't do that like he's been doing that. Um so I think it's time to change tactics, find a new identity that will be just as dominant. And I think a young coach is exactly what you need for that. So I, I am optimistic um, and just so just it's hilarious. It's just for me, if I'm if I'm Leipzig, I tell Nagelsmann, you can go anywhere. You can go absolutely anywhere. We will not we will not let you go out of your contract if you go to Bayern. We will not let you. We will we will keep you here and not let you coach. Unfortunately, you to- they uh, as my my. Mom's lawyer friend always says they they've outlawed uh, slavery, so contracts are, are only so binding. Somebody might have to tell Real Madrid's president that he uh, he seems to not totally understand that as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's probably going to lead to to more success for for Bayern, uh, which is good news for Yannick at least. 
Um, as we end our kind of wrap up on the, on the big sports news, we, we want to send our condolences and our love to the family and friends of Terrence Clark, a tremendous young basketball player who played last year for the University of Kentucky. He was going to enter the draft and tragically passed away from a car accident last week. Just incredibly sad to see someone so young and, and, and have their whole life in front of them uh, get that stolen away from them. So we, we want to send our love and, and rest in power, young man. Right. Absolutely. You know, our thoughts are with everyone affected by tragic, tragic loss. Um, yeah, it, it and obviously his life means so much more than this, but it just it again, it reminds you it's like nothing is guaranteed and everything that you're putting off for tomorrow does not. You don't have that. You don't have don't that. Do choice. You don't have don't that choice do to put it off till tomorrow. You really don't. You're you're gambling with whatever you're putting off. So make sure it's something you're willing to gamble. Because if it's not, then it's not guaranteed. Um, not even your 20th year of life is guaranteed. And we see that every day. And still people live their lives in a way that, you know, they put off being who they should be and being who they want to be. And um, yeah, don't do that. Me and Matt are learning that every day. Um, and, and we hope that you guys are too. Um, and unfortunately, tragedies like this remind us of how important it is to just go out there and live your damn life. We had this episode about Diego Maradona and the best thing to come out of it that Matt said was just like, yeah, he was fucking, he was trashy and he was fucking nuts, but that man lived until he 100%. died. That man lived. And that's he took, what you he took life by two hands and just, and just lived it. And I, and I think too, when we, when somebody, you know, like, like Terrence Clark passes away or, or you know, Gigi Bryant and, and, and all that, it's, I I always consider the best way to honor people like that is to go and live your life 100% because they didn't get they didn't get that you know they they got a lot of stuff stolen from them and and it's incredibly unfair and so I, I think the best way to honor those people whether you know them or not is to say I I'm going to live this life 100% uh, and and unabashedly be myself and and just enjoy it because it it is fleeting and it, it can be taken like that right absolutely and it's also like to remind you guys something like people live in their lives and don't want to make mistakes and don't want to fail. You're going to do that regardless of how careful you are. You're going to do that regardless. Like, yeah, maybe you won't do cocaine and get banned from the world cup like Maradona, but you're going to do some other shit that seems just as bad in your own life. Like that's just true. You will. And so, and, and you won't feel any bad, better about it just because you're like, well, at least I didn't take cocaine. Like that's not how that works. You're just going to feel just as shitty. So live your life the way that you want to live it, learn along the way. And then you can just, you can at least leave this place knowing that like whatever befalls me, I, I took it as much as on my own terms as I wanted to. Um, yeah. And, 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 and also just to, just to, you know, look around and be grateful for the things you have rather than wishing you had more or wishing, wishing things were different because things could be in the worst way tomorrow. So let, let's just all take stock of that. Or if you know, you want them different or you want something more then. Go fucking take it. Woo! But uh, we we bring up uh, cocaine a lot on this show for two people that don't do cocaine. Like it, it gets brought like if people do, like they're much like you got coke heads. Cocaine gets brought up all the time. I think cocaine is just like a funny thing to reference. But uh, <laughs> Terrence Clark, we wish your family, your friends the best. Uh, like I said, rest in power. We will be back in the second episode, guys. We're going to dive into the NFL draft, give our top ten picks, make some few predictions. So join us for that second episode. Thank you so much.